1: her up! You're listening to the gas digital Network.
0: Welcome to another episode of Without a Country. Uh, I am Corinne Fisher. It was just so hard for me to not say guys we fucked because I've said guys we fucked like a thousand times um, and this less than that. But, well, I've said it probably 200 or so times, 203 times. I don't know. I think Joe and Shane used to say it back in the day. Sometimes, but here we are. I'm just on our YouTube page looking at um, the views for some of the last episodes. I wanted to make sure specifically that everyone saw the Bubba Copeland um, journalist interview with Craig Monger. That's episode 201. Um, I think some I've promoted it a lot just because number one. Uh, It was hard to promote on Instagram because the algorithm uh, was kind of deleting any content uh, and sending you to Instagram jail when you talk about Osama bin Laden's letter to America, which we read in totality on that episode um and uh, also i'm just very proud and excited about that interview because we worked for so many weeks to get it and the person didn't call me stupid and hang up on me so that was a real progress look at it like look, look at this we're making progress on the show on air you see the progress in reporting, in um, people being able to find, you know, the passion in their hearts to get along, even when they don't really agree on anything. And Craig and I did that. And um, it was beautiful. And people really seem to like it. So thanks so much. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show welcome to the show i'm wearing this is more i know people might be like oh why are you wearing a halloween shirt this is an everyday shirt for me a uh, texas chainsaw massacre that's not seasonal that's christmas that's new year's that's easter that's a birthday that's whenever you want uh, um, and this is a great brand too like if uh it's actually you know i, I wear a lot of doll's kill but that's a big company so if you want to support a smaller company this is by iCandy. candy uh, female-owned small business. You can look them up on Instagram. They have a lot of followers. They, she didn't tell me to do that. I bought this with money, but I just thought it would be nice to let you guys know. Since you're always like, I don't care about uh, men killing their wives. Let's talk more about where your outfit is from. So I'm just going to give you what you want from now on. That's my New Year's resolution. <laughs> Stop fighting. It's just ex- just give you what you want. So I'll do. I'll be doing a whole podcast in 2024. Um, about lipstick colors and where I buy my outfits, even though there's only three places. So it's going to be a pretty quick podcast, but about two to three minutes, you can tune in every week and I'll go through that with you. Um, All right, guys, what a week it has been. What did I do? Oh, I saw a dream scenario over the weekend. Um, I saw a dream scenario. I had heard a lot of good reviews about it. And I thought it would be an appropriate thing to do at 10.45 p.m. on a Sunday night to walk to the movie theater alone and then watch Dream Scenario. And I was right. It was great. I think I'm going to do that from now on. If you want to come murder me, that's where I'll be. Um, and uh, I love going to the movies alone. One of my favorite things in the whole entire world. And I usually pretty much exclusively see horror. But there are a couple of non-horror movies out right now, including Dream Scenario, that I really wanted to see. It's um, It's Nicolas Cage. I, I enjoyed it a lot. It's I think it's a, a must-see if you're someone in the public eye, but also a must-see if you're someone who is partakes in anything internet related. Like I could see it as being perhaps a companion piece to so you've been publicly shamed. Like there is a little bit of cancel culture um talk in it, but it's not um presented in the same way that so much content because i'm kind of like even though even though i myself have experienced cancel culture and literally have ptsd from it like i'm and i mean like real ptsd like not fucking with you ptsd um uh i i'm i'm over it myself like talking about it um and i think most people are over it and so that's why it's not really working any, anymore. Like anytime you hear cancel culture these days, you look into it and you go, oh no, this is literally someone who's committed a crime, which is a much different scenario. So anyway, dream scenario. I kind of, if I could, without giving a spoiler, if I could sum it all up into one sentence, I think it's about, um, you know, thinking, getting something that you never wanted uh, and then really leaning into it um, and getting wrapped up in a in something that goes kind of against who you are and where you stand as a person, and then realizing that all you wanted was what you had to begin with. and now you don't know if you'll ever get it back. So just a real uplifting film, you know, if you want to go take someone on a first date to see it, that'll be it's it'll be sweet. There's more I could say about it. But again, just, you know, go see it. I don't want to ruin anything for you. I go into movies cold. I literally didn't even read the synopsis for the film. I just heard a couple people whose opinions that I respect said that they liked it. And it looked like the kind of movie based on the poster that I would like. And then I went cold my my plan that i started i don't know i probably started this like 10 years ago to go into all art with zero expectations about what it should be by not reading the synopsis and just like i have someone give me a, a few keywords like even my mom has been trained not to like tell me the plot of something unless it's you know a musical that's being just remade or something and it has increased my happiness level exponentially like I can't even explain to you this because I you know for those of you who listen to both my shows I I talk about this on guys we fucked a lot more my biggest problem in my life is disappointment I always think everything's going to be better than it is right I don't disappoint myself but I'm often disappointed by the world around me right and so one of the things I did to stop that disappointment as far as art is concerned is to stop reading about it beforehand and because then I start thinking about how I would have done it or what I would have liked to see based on the keywords. And then I just go in cold and I say, artist, take me on a journey. And I like everything so much more. So if you find yourself experiencing uh, disappointment in art, especially like films and TV shows a lot, I highly recommend this, um, this tactic that I have uh, created because it has worked wonders on me. All right, uh, the enemy of the state this week is gonna be breeders, dog breeders, not parents, uh, breeders and people who buy pets from breeders. Enemy
1: of the state.
0: It's the holiday season, so I every holiday season I do have to talk about uh, many things having to do with animals. The number one thing being, do not gift pets. A, cat, a pet is not a gift. Would you gift someone a child? No. Equally insane to gift someone a cat, a dog, etc. Um, and so I've been I follow a lot of animal shelters, and this has been happening throughout the year. But there is an an animal shelter crisis, meaning that. Pretty much all the uh, animal shelters are overloaded, uh, due to many, due to sur- animal surrenders. Uh, but also, obviously, if you're not spaying and neutering your animals, just uh, strays. And uh, a lot of people don't have money to care for pets, which is why they're surrendering. There's also still surrendering happening from people who adopted animals during COVID and then realized, oh, when you're not home all the time, it's a lot uh, bigger of a commitment. And this is not just like my little emotional support, uh, fluffy, breathy thing. It's actually like an animal that you need to take out and walk and keep interested and teach them stuff. Um so uh, I pulled an article uh, that Obviously I'm going to put this under Cutie's Corner but it is Cutie's Corner Slash Enemy of the State um, Welcome to Cutie's Corner We haven't heard this jingle in a while yeah. Yeah. And I specifically read a really, really sad. Well, I saw a really sad post yesterday for one of the animal shelters that I follow. It was this r- adorable footage of this one year old dog named Buffy. And she's excited. She's going at her, you know, kennel cage in the shelter. And she's so happy because someone's coming to get her because, and she thinks she's getting adopted. But no, guys, Buffy was going and she was retrieved, um, to be euthanized. And that story has haunted me all day. I can't get it out of my head. Uh, and, and I know these, a lot of animal shelters and the kind of like animal care and rescue industry in general loves to really do fucked up misdirects with your emotions to get you on board. And I usually unfollow accounts that do that because it's like, I don't need to be tricked into having compassion for these animals. I already have it. And I don't need you playing with my emotions. Like, that's what I feel like PETA is very guilty of. Like, they really lay in it too hard. And it's like, just present me with the facts. And if I'm going to have empathy and compassion for this situation, for these uh, uh, sentient beings anyway, I'm going to have it. Like, you somehow tricking me into me being a, a fucking bigger asshole, that's that's that I don't find that helpful. And I don't find, I don't think there are tactic is i mean obviously it's working on some people because they've been around for a long time but overall the consensus unless you're super 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 like far left is like that pita kind of blows and i agree and i've talked about that before like how i feel like um a lot of times like i think people would be kinder to animals or consider things like going vegetarian you know three or four days a week if the industry wasn't so fucking obnoxious and even me since I've become like more into animal rescue, since I've gone pescatarian, like all these kind of things. It's just constant questions. It's like, I'll post about like, oh, this shampoo doesn't test on animals. This is a good choice for, you know, your hair. And then the comment section will be like, have you gone vegan yet? And it's like, guys, guys, I almost, that almost made me want to eat a steak. You're That almost made me want to eat a steak. I don't have a taste for it anymore. And it makes me too sad. But just like, when someone makes progress in what you feel is the right direction, and instead of saying, oh my God, that's so awesome, you saying, why haven't you done this other thing or why haven't you done it better or to my standards? 0% helpful. 0% helpful. Okay. This article is from Vox. It's from August, but, it was, but this crisis has been going on all year. And I just thought this was the best um, article on the situation. And it wasn't like New York specific. There was some articles in the New York Times, but it was just New York specific. And that's bo- boring even for me. And I live here. So this is from Vox from August 16th of this year. Americans can't afford their pets. It's Pushing animal shelters to the brink. Lonely and stuck at home, millions of Americans turned to animals for comfort in the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic. Adopting and fostering cats and dogs from shelters at record rates. Videos of empty animal shelters went viral. Wired called it the feel-good pandemic story you need right now. We all remember it. It was a really fun time to be in animal welfare, said Bobby Mann, chief programs officer of the Humane Rescue Alliance, the largest animal shelter in Washington, D.C. metro area. We did absolutely see an uptick in adoptions. But starting in 2021, shelters began filling back up as there were more animals entering than leaving. And now many are packed to the brim, from Rhode Island to Seattle and everywhere in between. Shelters are reporting they're at capacity, forcing an increase in the number of dogs killed due to space constraints. And like when we talk about this, when we talk about like when you buy um, an animal from a breeder, you are ki- you are literally killing another—not literally, but you are you are in theory, killing another animal is the correct way to say it. That's what they mean, right? Because like, if you adopt a dog from a shelter, that opens up another space for another animal to be taken into the shelter and adopted. And, you know, people go, you know, I, I don't think people realize that sh- the rate at which shelters kill, like it, like um, the stats are, it was, I, I believe the most recent Survey 10.9% of the animals that go into a shelter will be euthanized because they're just sitting there. And yes, there are no kill shelters, but there's plenty of places that aren't no kill shelters. And it's also like, okay, well, if it's a no kill shelter, There are still, when they reach capacity, the other animals that are either surrendered or on the streets have to go someplace else, or they die on the streets, or they end up at a kill shelter. Like there's only so much space in the world. So that's what they mean. And I know the show is about seeing the gray area and things. This is kind of the one, this is one of the very few topics on this show that we've talked about. And I know Shane and I did a good, um, spends a good good amount of time talking about uh rescuing uh, pets. And this is you you can you can rescue if you don't want to rescue a cat or a dog there's also I think people don't realize guinea pigs, a lot of guinea pigs um available to be rescued and a lot of rabbits um to be rescued if you want a smaller pet. So these are all options. Um but yeah, this is one of the few topics that I Really don't see any gray gray area, and I truly think like you know people will be like, oh, all animals you know deserve homes. Yes, if they've already been created, but but what we're saying is if we stop supporting breeders, then breeders won't exist anymore, and then you will have to adopt the animals. There are so many animals without homes. It's really really pretty wild that um people keep paying uh to make more animals. Just so that you can have a purebred or a whatever doodle bug whatever the fuck you want, it's insane. And so I do reach out to you. I know uh, one time a breeder um messaged me, and while I appreciated that the breeding business keeps you know food on her family's table, I mean you, what like that to me is not a good enough. Um, answer for why breeding still needs to exist because there are plenty of things that many liberals would agree people's families do for money of like oil or amazon putting small businesses out of business so like yeah there's plenty of things that put food on the table that are completely unethical uh that you would have no problem saying these things shouldn't exist and fuck the humans behind them and fuck if they eat dinner uh that night and that's basically how i feel um about breeders again like the only instance i can see is like if you're whole life is around participating revolves around participating in the Westminster dog show. And that's like a very, 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 very small amount of people. Even then I feel like the dog shows should be changed to include rescue animals. I know there is a rescue animal one, but it's not nearly at the height of the Westminster dog show, um, which is the dog show that you see on Thanksgiving after the Thanksgiving day parade. Great. Show. I love watching it. Um, but yeah, uh, Yeah, so this is the one thing And I know Shane and I actually agreed on this That this was, we're we're like There's just no excuse uh, for it and many places are making it illegal Like even Petco now when you go in Like you know how you used to be able to um, buy animals at Petco Those are even rescue animals now So it's becoming illegal in a lot of places Because people are realizing that We're literally having a crisis here And so dogs are just getting killed Because you wanted a purebred dog For what? To sit on your couch? You, half of people don't even know How to train their own fucking dogs It's insane Okay, so earlier this year But oh, what I, my point was if you if you can if you feel like you have a good case for why it is appropriate to buy an animal for a breeder S- lifespan that's not a good one they they die sooner statistically purebred so c- c- hit me hit me with it um without a country podcast at gmail.com if you work for a breeder if you own an animal for a breeder and you think you are justified in having done that, Please email me again without a country podcast at gmail.com. I'm really interested in this, especially during the holidays because it's a big talking point during the holidays. Okay, so from Rhode Island to Seattle and everywhere in between, shelters are reporting they're at capacity, forcing an increase in the number of dogs killed due to space constraints. Earlier this year, almost half of shelters surveyed reported an increase in euthanized dogs, while only 10% reported a decrease. Perfectly adoptable dogs are losing their lives, and it is a crisis, said one municipal shelter. That was surveyed. We need volunteers fosters and adopters. By and large, shelters are screaming from the rooftops that they've been in crisis for a while, and it's not letting up, said Stephanie Filler, executive director of Shelter Animals Count, an organization that collects and publishes data from thousands of animal shelters and conducted the euthanasia survey. The group predicts the situation will continue to worsen this year. The trend threatens the immense progress that animal shelters have made to reduce the number of animals put down since the 1970s, uh like Bob, Bob Barker after every episode of um uh what's what am i thinking of the money one the one where you can win money oh my god michael what <laughs> okay
1: sorry what what are you winning sorry he, he's
0: not listening he's playing video games. No, I was not
1: playing a video game Natalie was telling me about why she cannot adopt another animal
0: um well she's already done um something you both you both have and you have a street cat that yeah, you live with so I you a street cat yeah you you both are doing great price is right Bob Barker price is right that's oh, what so so yeah at the end of every episode he would used to say "Span your your pets and that's what I think about when I think about animal I feel like he single-handedly did so much in the 1970s literally by just saying that at At the end of every show. Okay. So put down since the 1970s, when 13.5 million of the 65 million dogs and cats in the US, more than one fifth were euthanized oh and that this is hilarious because i always try to i i've been working on this joke for years because people don't want to um talk about it but like how animals are super mad at us kind of like a planet of the apes kind of the thing and when you see stats like that it's like yeah animals fucking hate us and they're gonna one day kill us all and eat our bodies and i'm not gonna be mad at them in 2019 fewer than a million dogs and cats about uh, 0.7% of the country's 135 million were put down. Look at that progress. It's one thing for, say, Peloton bikes to pile up in some warehouse as Americans return to normalcy and consumer demand rebalances in response. But when the product is an animal and make no mistake, we treat animals as products. Yes, we do. That's why, again, like when you talk about like why black dogs are adopted less because we treat them as products because, oh, this doesn't photograph as well. It's a fucking kid. What do you say that when you have an ugly child? Oh, I got to get this child back Because my child doesn't photograph as well A lot of you have ugly kids I don't want to look at that either Oh my god The rebalance of demand and supply Can result in mass suffering As shelters are forced to make the hard choice Between uh, packing more and more animals together In crowded noisy environments Euthanizing them or turning them away what's driving america's animal shelter crisis the state of animal shelters can largely be tracked by a simple metric humans suck oh sorry that's not what it said how many animals are entering shelters versus how many are leaving known as the population gap an animal can be taken into a shelter because they were picked up as a stray the most common reason surrendered by their owner or rescued from a cruelty case or puppy mill Uh, animals leave shelters when they're found by their owners adopted transferred to another shelter or euthanized and this article is actually reporting that in 2019 it was almost 15 percent of the cases uh, were euthanized i saw a stat that i think was from 2022 that was 10.9 percent and even that was um, pretty staggering in 2020 When people uh, were adopting shelter animals at record rates, 2% more animals left shelters than came in over the course of the year, according to shelter animals count. But in 2021, that figure reversed. 2% more animals entered shelters than left, either as strays or surrendered by their owners. In 2022, the trend worsened. 4% more animals entered shelters than left. That may not seem like much, but each percentage point amounts to tens of thousands thousands of animals. Shelter Animals Count projects that by the end of 2023, the population gap will tick up to 5%. Many of the animals currently entering shelters are strays. While owner surrender rates have fallen in recent years, there's been an 8% increase in stray intakes from January to June 2023, compared to the same time period in 2022, and a 26% increase compared to the same period in 2021. But why so many are coming in off the streets is a bit of a mystery. One theory is that some of these strays are just owner surrenders in disguise, right? So because you feel ashamed, as you should, that you're surrendering your animal. Um, uh, you, people say, oh, I just found this stray and I'm being a good Samaritan. And then you're bringing it back. So that's what they mean when they say surrenders in disguise. In 2020 – Due to COVID-19 precautions, many animal shelters stopped allowing people to walk in and surrender their animals, instead requiring them to make an appointment, a practice many shelters have kept in place. The demand for surrender appointments is now so high that many shelters have long wait lists. So the uptick in strays could simply represent people trying to jump the surrender line by claiming they found a stray animal, which does not require an appointment. Or they could be simply abandoning them on the street. And many of these shelters, um, you know, because there is a wait list, uh, they'll just, like, Tie the dog to the shelter's door so that the staff finds it in the morning. Um, they'll leave it in a box if it's a smaller animal. This happens all the time, and I'm not talking about this happening in the middle of nowhere. It happens in New York City all the time, and I'm sure if you live in a major city, it also happens there. It's tempting to judge people, and I and I am, and I know, and I know people will say. So before we even get into this, I know people say, but like you know, there's a million things that go into it. My point is, when you adopt an animal, it's a, it's like adopting a child. And if you're not thinking of it that way, you shouldn't have an animal. Okay? That's what my thought. would. You, and and yes, it's, do sometimes people put their children up for adoption? I, yes. And do I think those are bad people? No. But the rate that animals are surrendered at, way higher than um, kids being put up for adoption. And most times when children are put up for adoption, it's at birth, not like after they've lived in your house for two years. That- We can look up the stats, Mike, but that I would say is very, very, very rare. Obviously put into the foster system if the parents are incarcerated or are struggling with like um, a a substance abuse problem, um, dad murders mom, you know, those kinds of things. But again, the, the numbers are extremely different. Um, it's tempting to 4
1: million children born every year, about 18,000 voluntarily relinquished for adoption.
0: But, but my question was like,
1: after having them for a couple of years.
0: Yeah. All right, I-, I don't know if there's stats on that. Cause I just think it's so rare. Um, and again, you know, because when you think of like putting it up for adoption, okay. So that's like, if, um, you know, like an animal has puppies and then you're giving, I mean, that's not exactly the same thing, but I'm trying to correlate. Cause I'm like, I really try not. You know, the point of this show is not to be overly judgy. The surrendering your animal to me, like rehousing and surrendering are different, right? So to me... I totally understand if you can no longer care for your animal. Okay, things happen in life, and the same goes for your kids. Like we've all heard stories of someone who goes, "Yeah, mom was going through a difficult time. She sent her kid to live with her aunt." That's what you do, and that's one of the suggestions that I that I put together. Right? It's like if if for some reason something happens in your life and you can no longer have an animal, and also animals are accepted less places than human children are accepted. So I will take that into account. What I am saying is Not you're a bad person But if you just bring them back To the shelter Where there's a a huge chance Especially an animal That's been surrendered Once or multiple times That an animal will never Get adopted because that is on their record now, and then it makes people think there's something, you know, in quotes, wrong with the animal. You do the work in your own life to rehouse the animal, especially in the age of social media. It's much easier to do the work to rehouse an animal. Um, and I, people have come to me and been like, I can't keep my animal anymore. Can you help me rehouse it? Yeah. Yes. I'm, I have, that's one, you know, I have a lot of people follow me. Yes. I'll help you rehouse your animal. I know people in lots of different places. I'll help you rehouse your animal, but please try that before surrendering your animal.
1: So I'm seeing 47% of kids, uh, up for adoption are four years or younger. So that means a little over half is, uh, you know, are adoptable cases, um but
0: are those people but uh, okay but I think a lot of those older kids are people who were like put into the foster system and then maybe mom or dad or mom and dad like they were trying to get their shit together and then just ultimately couldn't. So then they're put up for adoption. I think that's a hard statistic to look, to probably look up. I'm trying. No, 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 no. I know. I'm just kind of trying to think about it in my own head because again, like the point of the show is really to see the gray area and not to be super judgy. And I'm trying to talk myself out of the anger that I feel when animals are surrendered. Um, it's tempting to judge people who surrender their animals, and some surely do so for shallow reasons, like deciding a pet is too much of an inconvenience or failing to properly train them. But the main reason so many people are giving up their pets, especially dogs, is because they simply can't afford to keep them. And again, it's like, okay, but like, it, like you're not giving up your kid if you can't afford them in most instances, and... Dogs, like if they if they require a lot of medical care, it can get super expensive, of course. But like the day-to-day-ness of just like food and general upkeep for a dog is pretty low. The medical bills, yes, are are extremely high. Um, for low-income families, it's hard enough to find affordable housing and affordable pet-friendly housing is even harder to secure, agreed. But like, you know, again, if you're having a kid, You know, normally you're 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 doing some stuff to prepare to have the kid. Not always, though, but but with an animal, like an animal is even easier to prepare for because it didn't happen because someone came in you. So it's this is really easy to prepare for this. That's my point. Okay. Um, Many apartment buildings can uh, ban certain breeds or dogs over a certain weight. Shelters are taking in especially high numbers of large dogs over 40 to 50 pounds, man of the Humane um, Rescue Alliance said. The same, and I think there's a lot of work we can do too as far as. Like legislation uh, and and people understanding that when they say certain breeds, they usually mean primarily pit bulls, that pit bulls are like the sweetest dogs ever. And they're just a dog that unfortunately is like super easy to train to be vicious. And so they, pit bulls, are being punished because what a surprise, something that humans did that was irresponsible. So they pay. Uh, The same economic trends that affect people always affect animals, said Filer with Shelter Animals Count, referring to high inflation and the national housing crisis that has led to a rise in eviction rates and homelessness in recent years. Also, another way around this is like if you have any access to a mental health care professional, like you can say that this is just fucking lie and say that you need this animal. And I know I was against that for a long time. But if it means that like an animal lives... I think it's fine. Um, housing insecurity is the top reason people are surrendering their animals, according to Mann and Filer. If someone gets to the point where they're surrendering their animal out of financial hardship, they've generally tried everything else and they have no other option, she added. The high stray rates, man speculates, could also be a consequence of high pet acquisition rates early in the pandemic. There are now simply more animals out in the world who can become strays for example, uh, by, for example, slipping out of their homes and getting lost. Veterinary costs have also heavily outpaced inflation from July 2022 to July 2023 because of increases in the cost of medical supplies and rising wages due in part to a veterinarian shortage. That's not surprising. We're getting so dumb and a a veterinarian school is harder to get into than human doctor school. Uh, Some veterinarians partly blame the corporate and private equity takeover of clinics and hospitals for rising vet care costs. There's also a shelter worker shortage, which is part of an economy-wide labor market shortage. Some people may be surrendering their pets because pet ownership is just difficult, especially with animals that are having a hard time adjusting to post-pandemic life after years cooped up with their owners many dog owners report behavioral issues as they head back to the office or bring their poorly socialized animals into public spaces Uh, pandemic pets are having a hard time adjusting to their people going back to work which of the following have you seen in your pet as you spend more time away from your home the biggest was um chewing digging and destruction Second was barking and howling. Third was escaping. Fourth was urination and defecation indoors. Then pacing, hiding, sitting in the corner, not eating. And then 10% said none of the above. We're just overstimulating these animals that have never had this level of stimulation, said man. I mean, just to think, it's almost like if you took someone who was like in solitary confinement and all of a sudden you're walking them through this busy city streets there there's skateboards there's cars honking there's motorcycles and like you know their their vantage point is much lower so think of all that imagine if all those feet were coming at you like it's pretty scary down there so you have to socialize an animal just like we need to be socialized it's like think back to what your mental state was during covid um and then like Heighten that because you can't even explain to a dog exactly what's going on they don't know why what's happening is happening but like yeah like taking your dog to a dog park or even just like over to your friend's house who also has a dog that's like extremely important to socialize them so they know like what it's like to be around like you know animals get depressed too um It may just be too much for some pet owners to handle. Training can require a lot of time and effort that some people aren't willing to spend. I mean, these are probably the same people who call women who don't have children selfish. I mean, hilarious, really. I encourage people not to take on more than they can handle, said Crystal Heath, a veterinarian who works with shelters and veterinary clinics in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. And I don't think that dog ownership or cat ownership or pet ownership in any way is a right that people should have but I am also not going to be judgmental about somebody who brings an animal in or takes care of an animal who would be killed otherwise and provides them with the best care that they can. Heath suspects Part of the stray problem could also be due to reduced spay and neuter access in the initial months of the COVID-19 pandemic as veterinary offices suspended non-essential services. Spay and neuter surgeries were down 13% in 2020 compared to 2019, according to a paper by veterinary researchers at the University of Florida. Yeah, and I mean COVID, besides COVID, like if you literally couldn't get in, if you have an if you're an animal owner and your animal is not spayed or neutered you're irresponsible period end of sentence i know several people who were like oh i just don't want to do that to my animal what get them spayed or neutered stop it by the end of that
1: also became a decent little side hustle during the pandemic
0: you spaying and neutering no
1: come on now no just people (laughs) becoming breeders
0: yeah oh yeah i mean yeah i and but again again it's like i don't have i i don't I gotta be honest. In that instance, it's like, yeah, I understand you have to put food on the table, but to do it by abusing animals is not. And like so much, because on top of it, especially like backyard breeders, on top of creating more animals when there's already more animals uh, existing than have homes, and there have to be euthanized backyard breeders. Uh, also often like make mistake dogs like the same as if you're like making copies at FedEx and one comes out kind of wonky and they either kill those animals or like put them in a box next to a trash can like that happens all the time Mm. or they'll just be like thinking like oh I dump these puppies in a river I dump these puppies on the side of the road all the time by the end of 2021, spays uh, and neuters had bounced back to close to 2019 levels, but a year of reduced access, according to the researchers, may have the potential to undermine progress made in controlling pet populations and euthanasia in shelters. Spaying and neutering pets is key to keeping shelter populations down and reducing the number of euthanized animals, because it prevents them from having babies that may wind up in a shelter. Intact animals, those who haven't been spayed or neutered, also tend to have higher rates of certain behavioral issues like increased aggression and escape attempts in the effort to find a mate which could result in more strays and surrenders amid all this bad news there's one silver lining cats are having a moment cat adoption rates are much higher than those for dogs are easier to take care of which makes sense in the context of the housing crisis and inflation as cats are more affordable and have fewer housing restrictions cats were previously our challenge now cat adoption rates are in the 60% rage filer said dog adoption rates are in the 50s what your local animal shelter needs adopt foster volunteer and donate and there's fun volunteer stuff too guys like you can literally go and hang out and play with the animals in your local animal shelter shelter or and this is for people who have know how to properly walk a dog especially like a big dog you can go and take the animals on walks like that makes a world of difference think of it as like you're you know the head space for the day for the dogs those four actions filer said are needed to help shelters climb out of the hole that they're in the first one is obvious every animal Adopted instead of purchased from a store or breeder means one less animal suffering and potentially euthanized in a shelter. If everyone who buys an animal chose to adopt instead, the need for euthanasia in shelters would drastically fall because there are far more dogs purchased every year than euthanized. The hard part is persuading the many people who only want to buy a dog with a particular look or size, even if how they've been bred can increase their risk for serious health issues. Pugs. I wish they had to look into the eyes of who we have to kill before bringing more lives into this world, said Heath, who sometimes performs euthanasia about dog and cat breeders. She wishes there were more public funding to care for animals and argues some of it should come from puppy mills and dog breeders who are driving pet overpopulation. To help with the staff shortage at shelters, try volunteering at a shelter or even fostering animals. I know some people who don't feel they have the time, money, or lifestyle to properly care for a cat or dog long-term, so they foster regularly instead. It's also a great way to test out adoption if you're unsure of it's for you. Yeah, I highly recommend um, fostering um, to adopt, right? If you're not sure if you can handle it, because then either way, you did a good thing. Like, and then that also, will drastically uh, decrease the chance that you would feel the need to rehouse or surrender your animal. Shelters really need money too. Donations to shelters are down, Filer said, while the amount of work is up and more and more shelters are implementing critical but costly programs that make pet adoption and pet keeping more affordable. For example, Humane Rescue Alliance in Washington, D.C. runs a pet food bank and a low-cost vaccine clinic and vaccines reduce additional vet bills down the road it also has a veterinarian who travels to people's homes to help in emergency situations man there's so there's a couple of veterinarians who are like street veterinarians on instagram and they go around and they take care of um they give free vaccinations and health care to unhoused folks um dogs man i want to fuck those people Okay. Uh, That has been a big shift in our strategy over the last probably three or four years, man said. I believe if we did not have these comprehensive programs in place, we would see a significant increase in owner surrender. If you're not in a position to adopt a pet anytime soon, giving money might help someone else hold on to theirs. The animal shelter crisis is a window into the national housing crisis and its ripple effects. It's also a telling example of our twisted relationship to animals. We consider dogs to be man's best friend, yet we breed so many to suffer while millions languish in shelters, many of whom are ultimately killed to make room for ever more strays and surrenders. Declining euthanasia rates in shelters has been one of the a few success stories in the animal welfare movement over the last several decades but that progress is at risk if we don't do more to change how pets are acquired and if more of us don't open our homes or at least our wallets if we can afford it to shelter animals um yeah i've just like recently heard of a lot of people like buying animals or going to a breeder and getting an animal and i don't and some of them are like celebrities and i just no, I don't fuck with that. I really don't like that. I really ha- – I actually unfollow – I had to unfollow um, kind of a-, a pretty famous comedian because she did that. And I was about to write something snarky and then I was like, don't – not snarky. I was about to write something just like, you know, factual but aggressive. And I was like, I'm not going to do that, you know. I agree. It's not a fucking airport. You don't need to announce your departure. I wasn't announcing my departure as much as I was, you know, because her post was kind of very – um what was it it was very defensive like and I get that I get making a defensive post because it is fucking extremely annoying to be a person on the internet and you want to tell you know your followers that you got a dog but like it was like super defensive be kind of the sentiment of the post was like yo I got this dog from a breeder and I know it's I shouldn't have and I don't fucking care because I wanted this like Versace purse of dogs that was like the energy Of the post and I was not fucking feeling it. So that person said to me, she doesn't care. She probably doesn't even know I'm a person on the planet. Um, but anyway, yeah, please convince me otherwise. Like I really would love to hear from you cuz this is one point that I have not had success in really seeing the 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 gray area and it just makes me angry. And of course, if these animals are already alive, like yes, if they're already alive from breeders, like I want them to have good homes, but like, you know, if you we keep if we keep paying the breeders, they're going to keep breeding, you know? But if there's if they see it's the business slow down, it dip off a little bit, then we're going to see some success. So, rules that I think are good to abide by for animal welfare as far as pets are concerned is my number one big one around the holidays. I spend a lot of time talking about this every holiday season because it's important. Hanukkah starts next week. Do not gift pets. You wouldn't gift a fucking child to someone. Do not gift a pet. Okay. It's a And I see so many TikToks and Instagrams about people gifting pets. This includes to your significant other, to your brother or sister. A lot of people do it to their elderly parents. Like make sure they want it, right? I really think my grandma should have um, a dog, right? I I think she should have a dog. I think it would be extremely helpful for her after my grandpa died a couple years ago. I think it would be great, right? But I didn't just get my grandma a dog. I talked about about it with her. I said, Grandma Joan... I think it would be great, and I think it would, like, you had a dog when you were younger, and you, like, really loved having a dog, and when you tell stories about this dog all the time, like, wouldn't it be lovely to have a dog? And there are so many dogs that need homes. We could get you a senior dog who moves slower because a puppy might be too much for you because you're in your 80s, and then we'll make sure it has a, you know, I didn't say the part about her, you know, passing away, but, like, you know, we'll make sure it's taken care of as a family, right? And she said, just not interested. Like, I'm too old. I don't want to go out and have to walk it. And I was like, well, how about a little kind of like a, a, like an older senior, like little lap dog that doesn't really need to go on walks because you have a little backyard and you can just let them go around there. And she was like, no, nah, I don't think I want to do that. And I so I, I just respected her wishes And I said, OK, grandma doesn't want a dog. We're not getting grandma a dog. I didn't show up with a fucking box with a tail coming out of it and go, grandma, I got you a dog. Look at me. I'm a great person. So number one, don't gift pets. OK. Got to talk about it, and a lot of times also the gifted pets are like this guy wanted a, a purebred black Labrador for his whole life, and we got him a purebred black Labrador. So a lot of times it's like a breed based gift giving too, to like recreate some childhood memory. How about you recreate the child memory of when you were a child, you were a good person, and be a good person as an adult. How <laughs> do you recreate that fucking memory? Okay, so number that's number one. Don't give pets. Um, two, check with your buildings first. The the. The housing is a a huge reason why so many animals are surrendered. I absolutely know that and and agree with the article. Um, But... So if you're going to, like, adopt an animal you, and you live in an apartment building or a building that – or a, a place that you don't own, you got to check with whoever owns it. What breeds are allowed? Uh, is there a weight limit? Do I have to pay – Most a lot of times you have to pay a pet fee. I know in my old apartment in Harlem there was a pet fee. I had to pay, like, $50 more a month for having a pet, which was absurd because I cleaned the place myself and it was hardwood floors. So, like, it was just a way for them to, you know, get money – squeeze money out of you. But anyway, check with the – things you have the responsibility to make sure that you have a a home that is conducive to having a pet before you get a pet same as same as a child um my third suggestion is if you find yourself in a place where you do unfortunately have to surrender your pet tr- you you can rehome it do 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 your due diligence um, ask friends put on the internet family anyone a lot of times it'll be you you can rehome it or before giving it back to a shelter, try to get it t- directly to an animal rescue, right? Okay, that's a good thing to do. And then foster to adopt so that you know that you're fit to be a, a, a dog parent or a cat parent, whatever, or a guinea pig parent or a rabbit um, parent. Foster to adopt, that's a a, a good thing because if if you decide you don't want to adopt the dog or at least bringing this dog into a foster home and someone else can come and adopt this dog or the dog can just get out of the shelter for a little while. And last fucking spay and neuter your pets if you are right now if you are if you have a an animal that is not spayed or neutered i'm you're an irresponsible person that that's it end of story what does your fucking dog have a promise ring on is your dog is your dog catholic they can't get brick stop spay or neuter your pet stop 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 okay that's it I know many people get aggravated when I get on my high horse about animals, but again, fucking convince me otherwise. No one, I've read so much stuff. No one's been able to convince me otherwise. Without a country podcast at gmail.com, I, I read all the emails. Please make a point because I'd love to hear it. Um, all right. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, I'm supposed to be talking right now about how much time I spend on myself in a given week, but I'm probably not the best person to ask because it's a lot uh, based on how much time I spend on other people. I will say I also spend a lot of time on other people and in ways that I think the average person doesn't. So I think at the end of the day, it's all going to even out. But the, the main thing is I am a big fan and I, and, I, and I will tell people this. I will scream it from a rooftop. You you should be spending more time on yourself because you have full control over how you act into the world. And I one hundred percent believe. That if you put out a tip-top working order, top shape, amazing uh, person out into the universe, that is the most valuable thing you can do with your life. Obviously, if you have kids, it is your responsibility up until a certain age to make sure that you are raising them uh, correctly. But also, if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not going to be a good role model for kids. And that goes for physically and emotionally mentally, all that stuff. It, it really affects your kids. So I think you should make sure you're spending a good amount of time on your own mental and physical health, right? Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. Uh, I have certainly benefited from therapy, uh, especially when going through specifically uh, harrowing events in my life. But even with the day-to-day monotony, questions like, why are we here? You know, my existential crisis. Therapy has been helpful throughout all of these things. And the cool thing about therapy is like, Sometimes you can go in if it's you're going through a really difficult time in your life, you can go every week. And then there's other times in my life when things are going pretty well. So I meet up with my therapist once a month, like you can change that. You don't just have to consistently use therapy as a crutch. You can Make it the amount that you feel like you need uh, for your life. In that time, you can pause it. You can stop. You can start again. You can pause for years. It's it's incredible. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do if you're interested in starting therapy is you do a brief questionnaire, and that helps you get matched with a licensed therapist who they think will kind of just vibe with you, and of course. I always say this, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge because therapists, like finding a therapist that meets your needs and understands who you are and who you want to be in the world and what your goals are. It's very similar to dating. Just because someone is a good therapist for one person doesn't mean they're going to be a good therapist for everyone. And also, you know, just like anything, all therapists aren't good therapists. So you have to find one that you, you, you see in them potential for them to help you. All right. Find more balance with better help visit betterhelp.com/wac today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp slash wac Now, back to Without a Country. Now, moving into this is my favorite story of the week. Not cuz it was happy, just cuz I was fascinated by it. Josh Giddy, okay? We're going to talk about Josh Giddy. For those of you guys who don't know, Josh Giddy is um a basketball player. He plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and he has found himself in, uh, a, I guess it, you would call it, a, a pickle. He's in hot water. <laughs> He's well, yeah, no, um, but what was what's the word I'm looking for? It's when it's rape, but it's rape because the girl person's underage. 't yeah I was like I can't think of words today statutory rape sorry I had a very long day okay so the Oklahoma City Thunders shooting guard Josh giddy has been embroiled in a scandal claiming he has been in a relationship with a girl said to be as young um said to be as young has had has this is not written correctly it has its latest development as reports suggest it was a one-night stand Giddy, and the reports, was unaware of her age when they hooked up, and upon learning that she was not 19 the following day, immediately terminated their link together as per uh, code sports. This is from Marca, by the way. This is like a sports-centric thing, I think from Spain, but it just had the best kind of take on the articles. I wanted to go to a sports-centric place. The girl is said to have gained access to a nightclub that only admits over 18s. According to the New York Post. So, in this scenario, it would be Giddy's reasonable expectation for her to have been an adult instead of a minor. And I want to point out Josh Giddy himself is 21, okay? He's young. Uh, Giddy is yet to address the allegations, nor has he confirmed his relationship with the girl at the time of writing. Importantly, at this stage, these are just allegations with nothing proven. Giddy is under investigation by both the NBA and the Newport Beach police department in california where the age of consent is 18 years old unlike oklahoma where the incident happened which has an age of 16 giddy is thunder underwhelming versus uh lakers to make about okay well that we don't have to talk about his sports things yeah
1: why is this article saying it happened in oklahoma city
0: um i don't know why is it saying that is that incorrect
1: i mean i know the girl's address is in newport beach california and that he got two tickets but in newport beach
0: right okay so let's let's then let's look into it let josh giddy that's wild i wouldn't think something like that that important to the story would be misreported but here we go good find
1: i mean Um, this this story is obviously also written in another language and translated through google
0: okay yeah that i i i upon second reading i am thinking about that all right, so let's look at AP News. Let's see. So this is uh, from AP News. Thunderguard Josh Giddy being investigated by police on alleged relationship with underage girl. The Newport Beach, California Police Department said Wednesday that its detectives are conducting an investigation into an accusation that Oklahoma City Thunderguard Josh Giddy had an improper relationship with an underage girl. Basically what I read and like, let me t- let me see if this lines up with what you read. I read Josh Giddy is 21. He's at a nightclub. It's an 18 and up nightclub. He runs into this um uh chick. They go home, they fuck. She's enthusiastically excited about it cuz she posts on um social media just fuck- fucked Josh Giddy. Snapchat. uh Snapchat with a-, a selfie of her and Josh Giddy in it and he's awake. Um and so and then we find out that she's 16. Uh and so my initial take of this story is like First of all, he's so young himself. Like being 21 and fucking a 16-year-old is a lot different than being like 32 and fucking a 16-year-old. Um, I would agree that at 16, you can look a lot similar to how you look at 17, 18, or 19, especially for women with makeup in a nightclub. And I don't expect a 21-year-old to be IDing one of his peers. Um, and, I, and I think and especially because we know she was a- a- enthusiastically fucking Josh Giddy, right? Like we know that she proved that herself, right? What are you smiling I'm at? I'm
1: smiling at the the other video I saw when she just she turns to camera and goes. Okay, guys. Um, fucking Josh Giddy. It's not that big of a deal,
0: right? Well, because <laughs> I have my a big- favorite video on the internet. I have a big pride. I didn't see that, but I have a big problem with that. Like, because a lot of times when people fuck a celebrity, they'll take um a selfie with the the celebrity, like sleeping or with the celebrity not aware. So I was at least, you know, I don't know why Josh Giddy fucking allowed that. I mean, I guess it's when you're 21, you just love the Beatlemania of it all. Um, but, uh, I guess, you know, I guess he'll learn his lesson about that, but, um, I do find this story to be concerning, um i think it's pretty fucking concerning um especially since crystalia is still working Uh, in a since deleted uh post an anonymous social media user last week said a girl who was seen with giddy in videos and photographs was a high school junior at the time the social media account has since been deactivated giddy an australian turned 21 in october i mean they don't even have laws there The Newport Beach police said in a news release that it is actively seeking additional information related to these allegations and pursuing all leads and evidence to obtain the facts in this case. NBA spokesman Mike Bass said Wednesday the league's investigation is ongoing. We are aware of the report regarding the Newport Beach Police Department's inquiry. So it does seem like it is in Newport Beach. We are continuing to gather information. Giddy has declined to comment, and then they give his stats, which I don't care about. I only care about what he's doing with that dick. Um. Okay, so that is that. And then there was a, another story, but it's also from Marca, so now I don't know if I can trust them. Just because it was the most interesting, um, all the other articles were about how the girl's parents hired a really prominent lawyer and that i also find troublesome right because it's like are you just is the family just trying to get money like what's going going on that's I don't think family – or they, I don't think they care. But I don't think families realize or care what damage they're doing to act victims of you know actual assaults. I'm sorry. I'm not categorizing this as an assault even though she's a minor. I don't care. You're a fucking kid when you're 21 and you're a kid when you're 16. This is ridiculous. Plenty of high school girls have boyfriends in college. Like this is
1: not weird at all. Um, am, am I jaded for thinking – my first thought when I was talking to Alex about this – was yeah. Alexis
0: is oh, yeah. is his, his fiancee. My, my
1: fiance, yes. Mother of my child. I, I literally said the words, Oh, this is just a soft launch to the OnlyFans when she turns 18. So
0: yeah, but I it, it seems it seems more like something. I mean, she might do that to rebel against her parents, but I'm curious if it's if it's like her parents found out and then they saw money signs in in their eyes. Because obviously, like OK, I'm not. so this is from TMZ. Gloria Allred uh, can add another high profile case to her resume because TMZ Sports has learned the famed attorney has been hired by the girl at the center of the investigation into Oklahoma City star Josh Giddey as cops work to determine if he had an inappropriate relationship with a minor. We broke the story earlier in the week. Newport Beach Police Department launched an investigation into the situation, but the girl and her family are not cooperating with law enforcement. Uh, now that Allred is involved, it begs the question why. She could be taxed, uh, tasked with liaising uh, with cops or even talking to Giddy's people about a potential settlement. We reached out to the powerful attorney who told us we represent the family and we have no comment. 21-year-old uh, Giddy is one of the better young players in the league, and the story has gotten a lot of attention, but that's not a foreign concept to Allred. Among some of her firm's high-profile cases, she represented over 50 50 women who accused bill cosby of misconduct she also worked for several women who accused former u.s congressman anthony weiner of sending sexually explicit photos and messages and so that makes me so angry that she, i mean obviously she's gonna take whatever case she's gonna take because i guess lawyers have no um ethics which seems like they should definitely have uh but like that also then is going to make people question you know cases like Bill Cosby more than they already were or, or cases like Anthony Weiner and being like oh are all these women lying because it's like no we, this 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 minor isn't lying um about you know something that happened sexually with Josh Giddy but she fucking lied about her age to get into the club in the first place it's insane and I, I i was talking about obviously i you know i own a sports card store and so i was talking about it with you know with some people because the amount of cards that, of, of, of really uh, well-performing players that I have to just throw on my back table when they fuck a minor is personally fucking me over financially. Um, so now I add Josh fucking Giddy to the list, this list, but a mom, a blame, mom came into the store and I was talking with her about it because I thought she was sensible. And like, while we both agree that Josh Giddy, like, I don't think I just don't think this is the story people are trying to make it. I don't think Josh Giddy actually did anything wrong. Um, knowingly, um, uh, what I d- am upset about is the way this boy mom phrased it. Like she said to me, she's like, yeah, she's like, oh man, just thinking about like how this poor boy's career could be ruined. And like, well, I a hundred percent agree with her sentiment and I do agree that his career should not be affected. And it would be it would be devastating to him personally um and i think to the me too movement as a whole honestly if uh, josh giddy gets taken down because of this i mean and this is all assuming that he truly did not know this girl was 16 if he really if he if he knew if it comes out if it comes to light that he knew she was 16 that's a different story i just don't believe that he did i truly don't believe that he did um um
1: there is one other piece of evidence I've seen on this.
0: Yes, go ahead.
1: Uh, there's a video of him in bed with the girl, right? Uh, telling it's like a video message to her brother, mm-hmm. uh, saying, you know, like uh, what's going on up in San uh, Sacramento or mm-hmm. San Francisco, somewhere in Northern uh, California. Uh, he was telling him to like do his thing, and he promised that the two of them would make it up to see him play. Okay. And as I said, he also has two tickets. Um, From her neighborhood, like in her neighborhood, he was stopped by the cops twice uh, for different infractions. So it's like, I bet you went there more than once. I bet you knew her a little bit better than one night at the club.
0: Okay, so but 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 do you think that are you saying uh, Okay, so I'm not. Yeah, I I don't I'm not saying that he only knew her one night at the club, but you can you can lie to people uh, for a good amount of time about how old you are, especially when it's like that small of a discrepancy. I mean, I wh- how d- She lives with her family, yeah?
1: She lives with yeah.
0: Right, but I mean, you know, if you're 18, 19, that's not crazy, especially into for today.
1: So you're saying I'm not
0: I'm not uh, listen, we need more information obviously. Um but this is just one like, you know, I think for something where I'm usually 100% like on the woman's side. I just I just don't think it. And I and I brought it up because I was like because even though I right now and don't think josh giddy should be taken down and i also just like there's a there's just a part of me with that, that's just like god damn like yeah you should know better but also like even 1621 like you should know better but that's just not to me a 21 year old fucking a 16 year old like isn't is not really criminal like have you met a 21 year old guy that's a kid that's a kid
1: I'm not arguing with that. I mean, but you're also an Which NBA is, player, and you're a foreign oh, NBA player.
0: Oh, he should he should know better. Well, I, the foreign, I actually am gonna because because I because I don't know. Like he probably is less familiar with American law. But you're saying he should be more careful because of that.
1: Not only should you be more careful, but generally these people are more mature, right? These are people who are as young men. Uh, leaving their homeland to go play in in Europe and other leagues to 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 grow their stock, and it's like for me at least, I noticed that the 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 generation of foreign players typically enter the league a lot more mature uh, than American mm-hmm. NBA players,
0: right? And I mean, but the thing is, it's like yeah, you should know better, but it's like we could we say the same thing for what's her name who was held for cannabis, uh, for having cannabis in the Russian League. Brittany Griner. Yeah, for Brittany Griner. I mean, it's like, everyone rallied with her. I mean, that's different, because that's just like having pot. That's like, not fucking a minor. It's different. But it's like, when you say fucking a minor, like, to me, I'm thinking like, a fucking crime. And just like, if I saw a 16-year-old and a 21-year-old out together, like, I don't even know if I could tell the difference between their ages. It's Like, a 16-year-old, also...
1: you're, You're pretty removed from being 21, though. Like, I remember being 21, 22 and being like, yeah, dude, I can't I can't keep trying to bang these high school girls. It's officially creepy.
0: No, I, I I agree. No, I mean, I don't think highly of him, but it's also like the thing is when, when a 16-year-old girls can look like really like and, it, and again, I think what's putting me over the edge is just, like, how excited she was to fuck him. And she posted that herself on her own social media, right? So it's, like, I know she's a minor, but it's, like, the age, age of consent in many places is, is 16. And it's, like, I don't think 21 is really very much more, more mature than, than 16. I certainly, like, wasn't that much mature, more mature. I mean, I was also, like, pretty mature at 16. But, like, I mean, I started dating... A twenty six year old, literally the week I turned eighteen. I think that's weirder.
1: Yeah, I agree. But I do think here's the thing. I do think her shouting like that and like the the being so excited is the cha-ching emoji sound effect. You know, like I think oh, she it, it, it,
0: it, it's it's that reveals that she is a child.
1: No, like she knows that she just secured the bag. Like I think that's why she was so excited she knew there was controversy coming from this
0: that's and, then, and that's awful and I think then that speaks to the age of like influencers and again like moves like that are just so they just and I and I and I don't think like women should have more on their shoulders than we already do but unfortunately in a time when you're fighting for progress like you're like when you make a move like that it counts for a lot more like badness than it would during more progressive times like it's fucked up. I don't know and But yeah So anyway Back to the, 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 mo- the boy mom In my store Like the language she used Like while we both Share the same sentiment Like that I don't I haven't heard anything That makes me think Josh Giddy should be Taken off the court I could tell She had this fucking Boy mom energy on her That a lot of moms have it, At my store That it's like Oh my poor sweet baby angel And I gotta tell you fucking your kids are not baby angels your kids steal from my store they're fucking brats they don't know about taxes they throw garbage on the store on the store floor lots of them are nice but they're not the baby angels that you think they are okay and um and so she was you know she just had that kind of uh, t- you know soundbite that we've heard so much in stories where uh, a male celebrity does something wrong uh, and and hurts a, a girl or a woman, and the narrative that comes out of it, especially with with specific, specifically up and coming white men, is oh this poor guy's career like that like the language that she used it just like kind of sent a shiver down my spine even though I was like I do agree with you but the way you're talking about it it makes it seem like like you really probably have your um, you ha- your you give your son a lot of grace that he doesn't necessarily deserve, and that upset me. Um, okay, so this is this, and then. I do want to look into this article, this third article from Marca, and let's see if it's translated good enough um, or well enough. Uh, Josh Giddy, the benefit of the racist doubt and the controversial age of sexual consent. Because no one else was bringing up the racist doubt, which I think is a big uh, piece of this story, especially in sports. Josh Giddy continues to be a talking point in NBA discourse as the allegations that he slept with a 16 year old continue to rage on with some now believing that media coverage is racially driven instead of morally driven, such as Des Bryant. The Oklahoma City Thunder shooting guard's life turned chaotic once a photo of himself shirtless and a young blonde girl appeared on Snapchat with the caption just just. Fucked Josh Giddy. It didn't take long for fans to investigate the age of the girl with some establishing she is 16 and others claiming she is as young as 15, although both currently remain unproven as the police and NBA investigate the matter. But ESPN's coverage, particularly that of Malika Andrews, has been accused of being racially biased with people claiming they aren't going after him as much as black athletes due to his whiteness, such as Bryant, who played for the Dallas Cowboys in the NFL. You went out of your way to crucify Charlotte Hornets guard Brandon Miller on draft day over something he didn't even do, Des Bryant wrote on X.com, formerly Twitter, addressing Andrews in quotes sourced by The Guardian. Why haven't, haven't you said nothing about Josh Giddy? Your parents really raised you wrong. You just a puppet. I don't know how a former or current NBA player could sit there across from you and look at you with some kind of respect. Bryant did later apologize, and Andrews did deliver a report, but it didn't stop trolls from mocking her online uh by producing memes on the topic posed by the x wide receiver and then under this is a tiktok video because of course like if you do something if you've ever once talked about it even though it def- you know it's definitely something that exists uh in you know the sphere of topics that we're talking about on social media you are fucked and so they found a tiktok of josh giddy um Kind of, you know, talking about an underage girl. I actually haven't watched this yet. Can we play this TikTok? So right now, um, before we press play, it says... Oh, well, that I don't think that's the." It. It's him sitting on the couch. No, it is.
1: This oh. is...
0: Okay, so it's him sitting on the couch. It says maybe she really has been asleep for 48 hours. already don't like this. But being an asshole doesn't make you a, a criminal. Remind ourselves of that. Otherwise, everyone, almost every man I know would be a criminal. <laughs> no,
1: it's just... Why she and then, then
0: it says back. when she leaves me undelivered for two hours so I leave her undelivered for two hours okay so there are they are they saying that this is oh and then it says when she says I'm too young for you and then in, there's a song playing that says shut the fuck up please don't talk so that's the part I guess that they want to isolate
1: the The whole thing, because it's like I saw a bunch of those posted, like Josh Giddy getting emotional over not getting a text back, and a bunch people being like, "Damn, Josh Giddy was really down bad over a high school girl."
0: Yeah, but how do they know that that was who he was talking about?
1: I mean, they assume that you know this because is because girlfriend. of the third
0: piece of it, where he says, "I'm too young." Like what? Like uh, I get. I mean, I think another another part is like, "God damn, anyone who enters the public eye immediately needs media training." But you don't want to, you know, when or, she says she's too young for you, that's like such a that's like a, such a weird thing for a 21 year old to say, because the only weird way to go from there is fucking minor, Josh Giddy. That's a weird thing to say. You know, this is this is just no one ever make a TikTok saying she's too young for you. Like, never do that. It's weird. What was your other comment?
1: Uh, just now the whole thing is, I mean, it seems like he was dating a child. I don't know what to tell you.
0: I, but I, I mean, I don't, again, dating a child. He's a child. That's my, I guess that's my thing. It, it, it's when there's so many places where like age of consent, we were even like to- tossing around, you know, for Chris D'Elia, who's fucking 40, like a 21 year old fucking a 16 year old. Is that weird? Is that really, really bad? See, fifteen is f- feels a lot different. I feel like it's once you reach sixteen for me. I don't love that she's a junior, not a senior, but like, still, sixteen is like, ah, I don't fucking know here. I mean, listen, the law is the law, and he's fucking in in, in trouble if he was dating her, and 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 he should just not be so stupid. Like, what sixteen year old girl is worth that? What's she bringing to the table? Um. Yeah, this is a tough one. But I, I yeah, I, I just didn't immediately feel a certain way about it. So I thought it was the most interesting uh, story of the week. And then it goes on to say in this Marka article, the age of consent in the gray areas uh, of it. The age of consent in the Thunder's home state is 16. But California, where the girl is either from or lives, is different. California's age is 18. But there are some exemptions for marriage with the approval of the court. But but aren't there also exemptions for like the um, the uh, the age gap? I think in many places there's exemptions for age gap if it's only like, you know, if you're 17, if one's 17 and one's 18. But I guess it's like a very small bracket there.
1: So there is a thing called Romeo and Juliet laws. But a lot of states, uh, you know, got got rid of those, like including New York. Right. Um.
0: Hey there, responsible adults over the age of 21 living in states where Delta-8 is legal. It's that time again. It's our favorite ad. You probably know it by heart, guys. Do you want to get high? Do you want to get really high? Do you want to get really super-duper legally high? Well, then now's the time to go to yodelta.com where you can stock up on high-quality lab-tested delta 8. We've been talking about, you know, Yo Delta and Delta-8 since like the beginning of Without a Country. Obviously, the stuff is good. It helps you disassociate it helps you kick back and relax after a long podcast sometimes during it if you're in the booth. Uh, we love Yo Delta. They have vapes, they have gummies and it's a great way to support the podcast and also support this association during the holidays. Both are very important for some of you. So if you're over the age of 21 and living in the majority of states where this is legal, you're going to head over to yodelta.com and stock up on Delta 8. Delta 8 is found in hemp and can be legally shipped to various states to get you high. At yo.delta.com, you can find a mix of gummies and vapes for all your getting stone needs. And of course, I can let you know. Delta 8 works, but also I got to let you know, these products should be taken responsibly. So once more, that is YoDelta.com, the official Delta 8 sponsor of the Gas Digital Network. And if you use promo code GAS, G-A-S, you're going to get 25% off. Once more, that's promo code GAS for 25% off. Yo Delta, home of the Delta 8 that will get you super high. Now back to the show. It does range and differ from state to state, nation to nation here it brings us up with there even being clauses such as Romeo and Juliet laws for when both are under 18, which isn't the case with Giddy. Further muddy, <clears throat> muddying the water in this case is the claim that they met in a 21 plus nightclub with her gaining entry via a fake ID. I think that's a big part of the story. So if it was a one night stand, then many will argue he isn't to blame. Sexual assault cases are incredibly sensitive matters. And all of the details have been ro- okay. This is just them, whatever. All right. So we'll keep on top of that. But uh, I don't know if you have any more information about that. If you're from <clears throat> California or Oklahoma, and you know more about that than we do over here. Send us a tip uh, without a country podcast at gmail.com. And here's a fun, lighthearted story about George Santos before we get into the hell that is Israel and Palestine. Uh, so this is from the Washington Post. It's an op-ed. I just kind of loved the vibe of it, and you actually don't usually see such a flowery, flowery language in uh, leftist news sources. It's you usually see flowery language, like it is used in the uh, title and uh, body of this article, more in right-wing news sources. So I was just kind of. Proud of the left for making something a little bit funky and fun, right? Again, this is from the Washington Post. It's an op-ed by uh, Monica Hess or Hesse. I'm not sure. It says George Santos appears to be running for America's sassy gay friend. The disgraced former congressman is now on Cameo where he's selling inspirational pep talks. In the early days of YouTube, we're talking 13 or 14 years ago, there was a series of popular videos called Sassy Gay Friend, which was built on the premise that history's women could have saved themselves a lot of heartache if only they'd been accompanied by a man wearing a spangled pink scarf. What are you doing, the sassy gay friend demanded of Juliet as she was about to poison herself for Romeo. What, what, what are you doing? In another segment, he snarked with Eve over God's declared punishment of painful childbirth. He made vaginas too small, and he's looking for a scapegoat. In 2023, the idea that a man should happily volunteer as an unpaid emotional support homosexual for straight women is a tad dated. Well, it's uh, maybe uh, you know making the uh, gender gap a little bit even for all the unpaid emotional labor that straight women do for. Straight men, but okay. But for anyone who still feels their lives would improve with occasional injections of sassy gay friend, there is now one man who seems happy to offer up his services for a fee, and that man is disgraced former Congressman George Santos. So obviously, we have to order ourselves a George Santos cameo for Without a Country. Santos, in case you've been missing the circus, is facing a bunch of federal charges. He has pleaded not guilty and more recently was the subject of a scathing report from the House Ethics Committee full of allegations, both grave and hilarious. He has called it a disgusting politicized smear. On Friday, the New York Republican was expelled from the House of Representatives, only the sixth lawmaker in history to meet that fate. This week, he joined Cameo. Can you please look up and see how much a George Santos Cameo is? Oh, I
1: know. It's 200 bucks.
0: Oh, you already looked it up for another Come show?
1: On. No, I just I keep tabs on my boy G. G-S.
0: $200. we are definitely gifting ourselves that yeah. um, for the holidays here at Without a Country. Can you make a note of that, please, so I remember? Copy. <clears throat> Megan, how are you, darling? Santos drawled into the camera in one personalized video that soon appeared online. I hear that life might be a little rocky right now his advice be yourself unapologetically just love yourself just make sure that you don't buy into the hate you do you girl I'm cheering for you cameo this also reminds me like the cheerleaders from cheer on Netflix how they just started doing cameos and then the one guy ends up being like a pedophile cameo fyi is a service that allows the public to purchase video video purchase video greetings well wishes and pep talks from celebrities filling out a few prompts for greater personalization i was on there and i actually just looked at my cameo the other day because i was like oh maybe i should get on here again people ask for them from now now and again and i'm like when i look at the amount of fucking work i made i did on cameo to make a couple thousand dollars it was insane It was insane. Cameo, unless you're like, I don't know, unless you're charging like one or two thousand dollars per video, it's just not worth it. I would rather just like take like or just send you a video for free than fucking be on Cameo. Like it's insane. And most people will. I mean, like not if you DM us, but like most people, if you just like. Run into someone on the street that you like, a comedian that you like. They'll take a picture. They'll do a video. They'll make a funny voicemail for you. Like, we're all open to this. Um, What is something special about the recipient you want Nicole Snooky palizzi to know? Like, they're giving examples of the prompts. There are some dignified thespians on the site, but in general, the selection gives off an over-mortgaged, real housewife-y vibe, D-listers more than willing to wish your friend a happy Hanukkah, <laughs> guilty. If it will pay for more, uh, one more month of equinox. Santos initially marked his cameos at seventy-five dollars a piece. That's a steal. A price that increased to two hundred dollars by the end of the day. I mean, yeah, that guy doesn't even know how worthy he is. I
1: just checked. Mm-hmm. He's down to twenty bucks. What? I'm on his cameo page right now. It's
0: down to 20. Is he okay? Can we get him all? Can we actually fuck a cameo? Can we just get George Santos on the show?
1: Most likely, yeah.
0: I'll I'll pay him too. Offer him 500 bucks.
1: All right, I'll reach out.
0: Starting starting thing. Well, I, I, that feels fucked up though because I feel like I didn't pay people who actually deserve the money.
1: Yeah, nobody deserves the money more than George Santos. Let's pump the brakes right now. Wait,
0: what? why are you saying that? This guy's an American hero. Okay.
1: I genuinely love everything he's done.
0: Okay, he's an, he's interesting. I want to get George Santos on. Make a financial offer. This guy, because I because I I only want to do that because it seems like he's he's actually desperate for funds right now, and so I want to make an offer. Maybe actually start lower. Start 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 at three hundred.
1: I'm gonna start at 200.
0: Oh okay. yeah, I was like 500. I was like that's way too much. I was like, I'd rather, you know give that to an animal shelter, but I do want to make this show good too. <laughs> I've I'm so pleased with us with our work lately. so I just I, I'm really happy with like some of the cool interviews that we've gotten, you know, I don't know. all right, so what did two uh, what did two hundred dollars get you from the man accused of using campaign funds to buy himself Botox? They got you this. And here are some um, cameos that George Santos made. Hi, Katie, he said in a shaky handheld video uploaded Monday wearing his trademark white collared shirt and dark sweater combination. Botox keeps you young. Fillers keeps you plump. Look, don't let the haters get to you. Haters are going to hate. And if you have haters, that means you're doing something right, girl. So just keep going. You're a Harvard Law School girl. Ignoring haters was a common theme in the cameos that recipients chose to repost on social media throughout Monday and Tuesday, as was staying strong, as was being yourself, which is frankly a little rich coming from a man who apparently made false statements about working at Goldman Sachs and about whether his mother escaped the South Tower on 9-11 and about whether he played volleyball at a Baruch college. But that's who he is. He's a guy who lies. He's a serial liar. You know, so that's who he is. So he is being himself. Hey, James and Sophia, congratulations on your engagement. He enthused to one couple who I am assuming. Purchased a Santos message Not out of genuine admiration But out of a sense That such a greeting Is basically an NFT Commemorating the current Death spiral Of American governance Hey girl He began another Hey fantasy football League dorks Hey you beautiful bastards Enjoy life Live life Laugh Nobody is going to argue That Santos is offering up Particularly transformative advice You might however argue That serving up Sassy platitudes On a third tier Media platform This woman has has a problem with cameo is at least less harmful than acting as the official mouthpiece for the 771,000 residents of Queens and Long Island that Santos was representing until less than a week ago. While still a member of Congress, Santos appeared to try out sassy gay friend on a few occasions, but the timing was never quite right. In the middle of a consequential vote for House Speaker, he posted photos of two similarly dressed female lawmakers on Twitter demanding who wore it best. But the thing is, this this is a kind of circus that government has turned into a bit, right? Like, yeah, it is silly, but like, you know, AOC, who is taken a lot more seriously, Post things of this nature from time to time. And there's a part of me that says politicians should kind of only always be serious. But then the other part of me is saying, well, we've kind of uh, proven as the American people that we don't really care when our politicians are serious. We like it more when they're yucking it up with Jimmy Fallon or roasting people during the political debates. And that's who we're going to vote for. And it is a democracy. So I guess we have the power to make that decision for ourselves, and we have decided that we want a circus, right? So we decided we want a circus. We elected a president that reinforced that sentiment that we love a circus. Uh, we we can constantly quote uh, tweets and Instagram posts in real news sources like the New York Times and the Washington Post. So how can we then? Go back and make fun of that culture when it's the culture that we have created and supported with our fucking votes, guys. So for for that, I don't even blame it. And then there's a part of me that's like, you know, I mean, politicians are fucking people. Everyone loves a who wore it best. I mean, I don't love it because I actually think it's um it pits women against each other most times. But you know, these general general parts of being human, you know, and being consumers of celebrity, like politicians are allowed to engage in that. Um, Santos is
1: the only one who told it like it is. My man came out and said, you sound
0: like a fucking Trump supporter now. No,
1: I sound like somebody who's paying attention. He came out and said, of course, I'm a liar. I'm a politician. That's the job. If you knew the lies Joe Biden told, you wouldn't be able to sleep at night. No, and he's no. right.
0: No, okay. I, I I I agree. I mean, I think, I, I, as we've talked about on this show many times before, I think to get to these high level of politics, they've had to, do, everyone's had to do some dastardly deeds for sure. Um, you know, I don't know. Okay. Uh, let's see. Who wore it best? Disclaimer, I'm a big fan of this look. Bright, vibrant hues and shoulder pads are power moves. One of the targeted women uh, responded simply, dot, 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 anyway. But what is particularly interesting about Santos's sassy foray into Cameo is the way that it seems to try to recast his messy foray into Congress. The political swindler is a known archetype. Uh, so is the saucy friend who don't give a fuck. The first archetype is detestable. The second is beloved. On Cameo, Santos seems to be saying that we got him all wrong. We thought he was an evil political swindler, but he, really he's bitchy and fun. The kind of guy who sure uh might misappropriate campaign funds to pay for his own expensive dinners they i'm sure they fucking all do that he just didn't do a good job hiding it But girl, if you'd been there with him, he would have used some of that money to buy you some margs and a death by chocolate. Ignore the haters. It's a bizarre, brilliant move and oddly one of the few paths to redemption that I could see working for a man who, after being summarily voted out by 311 of his colleagues, immediately left the building and told a weeding gaggle of reporters to hell with this place. On Tuesday afternoon, I went to buy a George Santos cameo, thinking I'd gift it to my editor as a meta-commentary on writing this column. Alas, by then his services were listed as temporarily unavailable, which could mean that George Santos's cameos were so popular that he needed to hit pause to catch up, or it could just mean that he's moved on to his next brilliant plan. Yeah, I'm so curious because putting it down to $20 to me is saying like, well, number 1, everyone who wanted one bought one the first on the first day that they heard about it. And then number 2, that this guy actually needs money. But like so what is George Santos's net worth? It's hard to Google that because the net worths are so inaccurate online for celebrities. Um but I'm curious what it says. Like when you Google it, it says 11 million so what is this does he think that does he think it's good another thing is like he he realizes that people have been reposting them so it's almost like a free press campaign for him if he keeps them at 20 because I'm like this guy can't need that mo- can't need the money that badly
1: the man was literally he was he was homeless living in a house paid for by campaign finance I
0: know Oh, but well, I don't understand. All his
1: money was his campaign finances, and that's been
0: right eaten up. Well, I mean, because it says okay. So in in Ohio Capital Journal, like this excerpt says, the paper published a story before the November twenty twenty two election, noting that Santos's personal financial disclosure report said he was worth about eleven million. When the paperwork he filed two years earlier during another run for office says he didn't have any assets worth more than five thousand dollars. To me, that more sounds like he's trying to make it seem like he's
1: broke. Well, no, he had. He had less than $5,000. In when,
0: assets. But is, that, is this true? I don't believe anything then this he, man does.
1: He, exactly. I don't believe that he, the $11 million that he made in two years, that was just money. That was just a number he put on a piece of paper so that he could accept money and it wouldn't seem like all of his money was coming from campaign donations.
0: Mm. 11 million is a big number. If you have nothing, to write 11 million is a a lot. You could just say 1 million. If
1: you've never been to Baruch College, it's a crazy thing to say (laughs) that you were a volleyball player there. Everything this guy did is utterly insane and absurd, and it's why I love him.
0: Oh, God. Yeah, let's get him in, in studio.
1: He's in New York and I, he's unemployed.
0: I, no, let's get him in studio. Start the negotiations. I am I'm going to go a lot... I, I'm actually willing to go a lot higher than I'm going to reveal on air, but I don't want to talk about it on air because I'm so obsessed with this right now.
1: I keep finding ways to contact him and it's all dead numbers that are like associated with his political office. So. We got
0: we to gotta get to this this guy. We got to get to this guy, man.
1: The spirit of liberty is rising filth.
0: That was loud in my ear. I hurt my own ears with that. Um okay, let's see. Um all right, now we have to move on to what I was trying to I mean, I'm not trying to avoid it. I'm going to talk about it, but here we go. Israel Palestine. Buckle up everybody. All right. And I have a smattering of articles from, all, from before everyone gets mad. Oh, she's covering too much Israel. Oh, she's covering too much Palestine. Everyone relax. We're going to These are the the most unique new takes or updates or revelations that everyone doesn't already know that I found this week. That is, if you're wondering what my criteria is, I look through all the stories and most times it's like, you know, just kind of an update in the war, what's going on. Obviously there was a ceasefire for a couple of days. Some hostages got released. We covered that last time. And so then I look through other articles and say, what are these unique unique takes? I went to Al Jazeera. I went to freepress.org. I went to Breitbart, Fox News, and New York Times. Okay? So I really went around the places. <clears throat> First thing I want to talk about is the article from the New York Times That says, Arab citizens of Israel released in deals with Hamas fear a backlash. Basically, like this is talking about people were released against their will. Almost all the 15 Israeli Arab women freed in the swaps were released against their will. One was expelled from a university and others fear they could be attacked by those who link them to Hamas. Among the 240 Palestinian prisoners and detainees released during the week-long ceasefires between Israel and Hamas were 15 women who stood apart from the others. They were citizens of Israel. The women are part of Israel's Arab minority. Most were arrested after the Hamas-led attack on Israel on October 7th and charged based on their social media posts with identifying with a terrorist organization. None of them had been convicted of a crime, and all but one opposed being released as part of the deal deal preferring uh to defend themselves in court according to interviews with one of the women and three lawyers involved in their cases but in the end those 14 of the 15 were released against their will the lawyer said leaving them confused about their legal status and scared of living with the stigma of being linked to a group that most israelis consider an abhorrent terrorist organization socially it is very problematic said Narman. Shahada Zoabi an attorney at Adalah an Israeli minority rights group who is representing one of the women. We anticipate that there is going to be a very complex situation socially for them after being included in this agreement and we are starting to see examples here and there. Some of the women have already paid a price for their inclusion in the deal. Gunshots were fired near the home of one of them and many are worried they could be attacked on the street. Uh, Technion, the Israel Institute of Technology, expelled one of the women who had been studying computer science. It's very clear someone who was released as part of a hostage deal with Hamas cannot study here, said Doran Shaham, a university spokeswoman. About one-fifth of Israelis are Arabs whose families were living in what would become Israel before the state was founded in 1948. Unlike the Palestinian refugees who ended up in the West Bank, Gaza, and neighboring Arab countries, this group remained in Israel and received citizenship. While they carry Israeli passports, vote, and can exercise other civil rights, many Israeli Arabs accuse Israel of treating them as second-class citizens and sympathize with Palestinians in the West Bank, Gaza, and around the Middle East." The Mahamas-led attacks on Israel on October 7th, killed more than 1,200 Israelis, mostly civilians, blah, 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 blah. we know all about about this. Um, uh, And now the health authorities say that that the military campaign uh, has killed more than 15,000 people in gaza mostly women and children as the war escalated more than most of the 15 women made social media posts that led to their arrest one woman shared a joke about capturing a female soldier and a post that said where were the people calling for humanity when we were killed over photos of palestinian children according to screenshots viewed by the new york times another woman added a beating heart emoji To a post that read Gaza Today with a photo of Palestinians riding on a captured Israeli military vehicle and shared a photo of Palestinians breaking through a hole in the Gaza border fence on October 7th with text that read while the army that can't be beat was sleeping. Those two women and 12 others were arrested and charged with identifying with a terror group and other charges. Another woman in the group had been detained earlier on charges, including attempted murder and identifying with a terrorist group, but had not been convicted of any crimes. And we remember, I believe it was last week, we talked about how many people will be arrested by um the israeli government and then but they're like not really given a reason why and it's very blurry on november 24th israel and hamas agreed to the first of several ceasefires that would last a week and allow the release of 105 hostages from gaza mostly women and children in exchange for 240 palestinian women and minors held by israel Most of the Palestinians released were from the West Bank and East Jerusalem, but the list also included the 15 Israeli citizens. Ms. Zoabi, the lawyer, said that Israel had long avoided allowing its Arab citizens to be represented by Palestinian groups like Hamas, In such agreements and that it was not clear why the government had acted differently this time, David Becker, a spokesman for Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, declined to comment on the women's release. The government did not ask the women or their lawyers if they wanted to be included in the deal, nor did it respond to their lawyers' requests to keep them out of it, Ms. Zoabi said. Like the other lawyers interviewed, Ms. Zoabi had wanted to defend her client in court for acts she called definitely in the borders of her freedom of expression. The women and their lawyers are also worried that being released under a deal negotiated by Hamas could damage their clients' lives. I wrote that my client does not want to be released from the deal with Hamas, said Ahmad Masala, another lawyer representing one of the women. Being labeled as affiliated with Hamas is worse than any punishment that the court would have given. One of the women, who spoke on condition of anonymity for safety reasons, said she was arrested for posts that the Israeli authorities considered sympathetic to Hamas. During her interrogation, she said she told police that she opposed Hamas and that she was against any killing of civilians. A few weeks later, she said she was released and only learned that she had been included in a deal brokered by Hamas after she reached home. She was horrified, she said. I kept thinking, how can I convince people that I'm not supporting Hamas after being part of this deal, she said. All right. So that was the first most interesting thing that I read about this. Um, I think just like the notion of being – uh, you know, we always think like release good, not release bad. And even in a literal hostage situation, we have found a gray area as a people. And I think that is really, really interesting. Um, all right. So this next one is from Fox News. And I chose this article because of the language and the photo accompanied uh, with it. Um, it says, <clears throat> wait, I got to take a drink." Right. Mm. this one says Israel releases image of eliminated Hamas figures enjoying meal other leaders killed IDF says it's the act it's the word it's using killed or murdered and instead of using those words it's using the word eliminated it just feels so like I'm playing a video game. These aren't even human beings. They have been eliminated. And I'm not saying these are good people, but I'm just saying like that language, I felt like you just don't see that a lot. It it kind of took me it 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 took me aback. Uh, one of images showed one of images showed senior figures of the Northern Gaza Brigade, the second largest in Hamas, the Israel Defense Forces said. Um, The Israel Defense Forces and the Shin Bet Security Service released several images Tuesday discovered in tunnels constructed by Hamas, including one showing five senior figures of the terror group who were killed during a strike. The picture shows a group of Hamas leaders in a meeting while eating, according to a joint IDF and Shin Bet statement. The five led the Northern Gaza Brigade, the second largest in Hamas. With assistance from the IDF Intelligence Directorate and the ISA, IDF soldiers eliminated the brigade's commander, Ahmed Al-Gandor, the deputy brigade commander, while... Rajeb and other senior operatives, including the commander of the brigade support battalion, the head of the technical and operational support department, and the observation officer for the Northern Gaza Strip, the statement said. And then when you look at the picture, it literally has red circles around these guys' faces. And then it just says like in a red tab, eliminated. And it, it just feels like a lot. It just feels like, And I I think the last time I saw this was, I guess, when we, not me, I mean, like the country, I guess when we killed Osama bin Laden, we saw a lot of stuff like this. But now maybe as an older, more empathetic um, human in the world, it just feels gross. Not that I like loved or like thought it was great or was like, you know, had a picture on a T-shirt of uh, Osama bin Laden, but like. And I know these, you know, some of these people, if not all, have done really heinous things, but I just find it weird, even in times of war, the language we use and to celebrate death. Not that we should be mourning these people. I also don't think that we need to be mourning people who have done terrible things, but like the celebration and the kind of video game language around it i don't there's just something about this i can't really put my there's something about this that really bothered me uh and you know and and you know they're not using this language and other it's it's specifically fox news is using it so Al gandor served as a member of the inner circle of hamas's military wing authorities said he was responsible for directing and managing all terrorist operations of hamas in the northern gaza strip area like it feels like we're using terrorist language on ter- on people who we believe to be terrorists. I guess is my problem with it. It's it it doesn't feel good. It feels like we want to make ourselves as Amer- as America, um, well, I mean as America's partner to Israel, like feel good and heroic, and it just feels. good kind of disgusting to me the five figures were killed during a strike on a tunnel in which they were purportedly hiding the idf said the tunnel was reportedly under civilian homes and close to an indonesian hospital israel has repeatedly accused hamas of shielding itself in and around civilian areas and sensitive locations like hospitals homes and schools others killed include commanders of the Tasbra Battalion, Shati Battalion, Darj Tapa Battalion, and Shijaya Battalion, the IDF says. The units were part of the Hamas's Gaza City Brigade, its largest, the report said. In Shati Battalion sector, the IDF took control of its central strongholds. That battalion is responsible for the central headquarters of Hamas, including the Hamas headquarters at the Shifa Hospital. In addition, the heads of its anti-tank air formation and naval formation were eliminated, the IDF said. So that was more about language and photos for me and then just some facts about who has been um, killed on that side. This is from Breitbart. It was the only thing that I could even piece off, but it was something that I hadn't seen elsewhere. And just to get like a sense of like what your fellow countrymen and women are reading. And And I know you might say, I don't know anyone who reads Breitbart. You probably do. They might just not publicize it. And also if you actually don't, just know, a lot of people read Breitbart, and they take it seriously, and they think of it as a top tier news source. So this says IDF chief suggests Israel may flood Hamas tunnels with seawater. <clears throat> Israel Defense Forces Chief of Staff Lieutenant General Herzi Halevi suggested Tuesday that it might be a quote good idea to flood the Hamas terror tunnels in Gaza with seawater, commenting on a report in the Wall Street Journal that Israel was thinking about it. The journal report stated, <clears throat> quote, Israel has assembled a system of large pumps it could use to flood Hamas's vast network of tunnels under the Gaza Strip with seawater A tactic that could destroy the tunnels and drive the fighters from their underground refuge but also threaten Gaza's water supply, U.S. officials said. It was not clear whether the report was credible, given that the journal had been inaccurate in its report that Israel and Hamas had agreed to pause fighting for an eighth day. Hamas broke the truce shortly thereafter. But Halevi appeared to give credence to the report, as the Times of Israel noted Tuesday. Israel Defense Forces Chief of Staff, Lieutenant General Herzi Halevi, appeared to confirm on Tuesday a report that Israel aims to flood Hamas's tunnel network in the Gaza Strip, calling it a good idea. We have various ways to deal with the tunnels. I won't talk about specifics, but they include explosives to destroy and other means to prevent Hamas operatives from using the tunnels to harm our soldiers, he said. Therefore, any means... Which gives <clears throat> which give us an advantage over the enemy that uses the tunnels deprives it of this asset is a means that we are evaluating using this is a good idea but I won't comment on its specifics. Halevi uh, added. It seems like you shouldn't even if you have an idea like this it seems like you shouldn't be talking about it at all. No, like because you don't want to give the the quote enemy time to prepare. Flooding the tunnels could create other problems. It could harm some of the Israeli hostages who may be imprisoned in the tunnels. It could also further undermine the structural integrity of Gaza's buildings already damaged by bombing. So that's that. I love that they just like, they're like, yeah, we think someone might have tossed this idea out. So let's read a whole article on it. That's kind of the Breitbart way. I like it. It's laid back, you know? We don't need. We don't need full stories that have been credited to something that are imp- important to know. We'll just, like, flip something out into the universe that I haven't heard before. All right. So this is from Al Jazeera. Got to update these cookie preferences. God, all these cookies. And they're not my kind that I like. All right. U.S. announces visa bans after warning Israel on West Bank settler violence. U.S. has called on Israel to act against violent settler groups in the occupied West Bank. The U.S. Department of State has said it will impose visa restrictions on Israeli settlers involved In undermining peace, security, or stability in the occupied West Bank, Secretary of State Antony Blinken announced the move on Tuesday, one day after the State Department said that Israel has not taken sufficient steps to address settler attacks that have driven driven many Palestinians off their land. Today, the State Department is implementing a new visa restriction policy targeting individuals believed to have been involved in undermining peace, security or stability in the West Bank, including through committing acts of violence or taking other actions that unduly restrict civilians access to essential services and basic necessities. Blinken said President Joe Biden. And other senior U.S. officials have warned repeatedly that Israel must act to stop violence by Israeli settlers against Palestinians in the West Bank, which has increased since the October 7th Hamas attack on Israel. We have underscored to the Israeli government the need to do more to hold accountable extremist settlers who have committed violent acts against Palestinians in the West Bank, Blinken said. Okay, so we like this. We like that. We like this energy. Blinken did not announce individual visa bans, but department spokesman Matthew Miller said the bans would be implemented starting Tuesday and would cover dozens of settlers and their families with more to come. He did not give a number and didn't identify any of those targeted due to confidentiality reasons. Israeli settler violence has long targeted Palestinian communities in the West Bank and the attacks have surged over the last year as Israel's far right government which itself includes ultra nationalist settlers signals support. Um okay. So today I announced a new this is Anthony Anthony Blinken's um on X. Today I announced a new visa restrictions policy targeting individuals and their family members involved and or mean, <clears throat> meaningfully contrib- contributing to actions that undermine peace, security, and stability in the West Bank, violence against civilians will have consequences." Uh, settler attacks have escalated further amid the continuing war in Gaza between Israel and the Palestinian armed group Hamas, which launched a deadly attack on southern Israel on October 7th that killed approximately 1,200 people and took roughly 240 others hostage. After the attack, Israel launched a devastating uh, assault on Gaza, which has killed more than 16,200 people and displaced more than 1.5 million others, according to Palestinian officials. My question is, right, so Hamas goes in for this attack. Like, they do a good job of surprising the IDF, and, like, initially it's a big, you know, it's the biggest devastation that Israel's seen. But, like, did they not know that once Israel started to retaliate that they were going to be absolutely, for lack of a better word, annihilated? Like, this is a real question I have. Have you seen any conversations about this, either of you guys? No. Like what? Like what do we think Hamas's game plan was? I'm 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 just unclear of like how they didn't know this was going to be devastating to the people they say that they want to fight for the rights of. That's what I'm unclear about. You usually have so much to say about things you don't know about. I thought I was really counting on
1: you, no, Michael. I, I appreciate that. I mean, look. What, what, there's nothing I can say that you were going to find uh, even semi-acceptable, so. No, say what,
0: you, well, I, 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 say what, you, say what you think, as long as you're comfortable with the repercussions that will come from the listeners.
1: <laughs> I think very similarly to 9-11, that uh, Israel knew this attack was coming. Um, is, the Israel's enemies may have been supported either directly or indirectly by Israel to make this happen.
0: But, and. To give them an excuse to annihilate Gaza, yeah. Okay, and so, okay, so they knew it was coming, and so you're saying they they purposely didn't prepare for it, so they could get a little boo boo, which would then, you know, I'm sorry to call 1,200 people's deaths boo boos, but like in the terms of war, to get to get a to get like a a, a small boo boo, and then go in and and kill like fucking half the people in
1: Gaza? I mean, you're displacing 1.5 million, 16,200 dead.
0: Sure. Right. And but the thing is so but how
1: I mean, you got a rock so, through your window and but, leveled the neighborhood. But
0: but are, okay, but are you saying like yes, I agree. But are you so are you saying like that Hamas is in cahoots with Israel? Because Hamas can't can't be they're not stupid. Okay.
1: Oh, well, I mean You think
0: they're just stupid?
1: Look, I mean, I Bibi himself. No
0: one, no one can be that stupid. I, I, yeah, I just don't understand. Like, so, okay, so I can, I, I can believe that Israel knew it was coming, but I don't. What I don't understand is what Hamas's game plan was. That's what I don't understand.
1: I mean, Bibi himself has been supporting Hamas openly, right? Like from from the jump. Everybody knows that Netanyahu was. Be it, we covered it on this show. Right. Mm -hmm. Like he's 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 openly been supporting them because nobody wants to deal with a terrorist. Would I be surprised if this was like a Palpatine situation where you create your own enemy Mm. to get, you know, to to long game further your goals? Interesting. Like, I don't know. Would it be would it be absolutely insane to you if this splinter group that popped up that was somehow well funded and able to get their message out and able to get people rallied up and on their side was a plant? by a, a people in power. I mean it's literally the United States playbook for 50 years.
0: No no of course not and I, and I mean like the, the bottom line is like it just it just doesn't make sense because anyone who knows a teensy weensy bit about the IDF knows that okay like even if you are able to surprise attack in the way that Hamas did, there's no fucking way they thought they were gonna win the, the what what they knew was gonna the retaliation was gonna be. There's no way no one could be that dumb
1: unless the move unless the actual goal was to you know to to have learned the lessons of of Afghanistan right to see the 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 greater world joining on these these middle eastern country sides when they are attacked by an empire for them to be like okay look we're going to pull off this attack we are going to get absolutely bombarded mm-hmm. for you know 3 months But Hamas doesn't care about the the lives of Palestinian citizens to begin with. Like they're, you know, uh, easily sacrificable pawns and look at, you know, the tide turning in favor of Palestine and, you know, by default Hamas.
0: I'm just actually concerned that like it's going to be like truly like half the Palestinian population in Gaza is going to be dead by the end of this. Most likely. Like and I. Yeah, because I mean, this, you know, this number just is keeps going it's so it's so astronomical okay since the october 7th attack israeli settlers have killed at least nine and what's and also i just want to point out what's even more upsetting is just like how many people that i know and have broken bread with that i see on instagram are like so down with either israeli people or palestinian people dying for their cause like i am not i am just not for the death of any of these i i I don't I'm like really stunned. do you see a lot of that on your timeline?
1: Yeah, no, I see a good amount on both sides honestly. I see a lot of
0: yeah
1: uh, Israeli people you know who are you know sharing the the you know the the gang rape stories and and all the yeah. horrible atrocities and talking about how it makes so much sense that that there should be no ceasefire you know that you shouldn't stop fighting until all of Hamas is eradicated and then I've seen it on the other side too. Sure so
0: sure yeah. I just had I, I kind of like yeah I just like have that's like the problem I you know I, I I wouldn't stop I'm not you know I as is the premise of the show I, I would I'm not you wouldn't stop being friends with anyone because they were pro Israel or because they were pro Palestine but yeah the the kind of um, this like this like animal that's come out in people where they're just like yeah die like kill kill the enemy um, and especially surprising in like some women I know has been hard, hard to digest, really hard to stomach since the October 7th attack. Israeli settlers have killed at least nine Palestinians, um, uh, in the West bank, three times as many as in all of 2022 and attacks on Palestinian villages and farmers have become commonplace while Palestinian attacks on Israeli settlers and soldiers in the West bank, typically meet harsh uh, reprisals by Israeli forces, accountability for attacks by Israeli settlers on Palestinians, which often take place under the gaze of Israeli soldiers, is exceedingly rare. Palestinians have described settler violence as one part of a larger Israeli effort to force them from their land. In 2018, Israel passed a controversial bill known as the Nation-State Law that, among other things, called Jewish settlement efforts a national value that the state would encourage and promote. Wait, so I I read read this article, right? It's, it's that the US is saying we're taking your visa away if you're a Israeli settler killing a Palestinian, correct? It went back and forth so many times. I'm like, I want to make sure I'm like reading this correctly, because that's how I took it. And I thought that was good news. And I was surprised that America was doing such a thing. <laughs> Just want to make sure I read the article right.
1: I let me let me reread that.
0: Because that seems what the summary at the end is, and that's how I, I certainly took it. But then there was a couple sentences here that made me that made me question if I was fucking reading this wrong. Which, listen, it's important sometimes. We've all we've all done it over. The, oh. We've all read an article wrong.
1: <laughs> so this is saying that it, it's it would be um, like promoted if they uh, if, if like it's a good thing for them to be. Um, uh, to be forcing Palestinians from their land.
0: It's a good thing.
1: Like the Israeli government said that it's, it is like, it's, it's crucial for the growth of, uh, of Israel. So like state sanctioned, we're on board with, um, with that act now. Wait, no, no, no. But okay. So the, this, <laughs> what
0: this whole article, us announces visa bans after warning Israel uh, on West Bank settler violence, but so there, but there, so we're taking away visas from people. The U.S. Department of State will impose visa estri- restrictions on Israel. Yeah, I, I read it right on Israeli settlers involved in undermining peace. I, I read it right Israeli settlers though. It, it, yeah, Israeli settlers. Yeah, I read this right. Okay, yeah, it's it's it, it, I, I, they're they're doing visa restrictions on Israelis who are fucking with Palestinians.
1: Yeah, yeah, but-
0: that's right. And it, 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 You know, I had to reread it several times. Number one, because it went back and forth. But I'm like, it's in Al Jazeera and also, which gives me a little context about what it's about. And also, it's just uh, honestly so surprising to me that the U.S. is doing anything to protect Palestinians, I think is why I'm, I'm like, c- was confused about my reading comprehension for a second. But yeah, no, I did take this in properly. Okay.
1: Right, it's just the bottom of the article. That's what I got tripped on cuz the bottom of the article was saying that as of 2018, Israel was officially promoting um For sure, but that was that's,
0: that's a summary and I think they I think they're kind of pointing out like wow, like this is in the past we've done jack shit when uh, is Israeli people have hurt Palestinian people even if on their turf again it's sometimes sometimes when someplace does something positive you're so stunned because it's so historically out of their nature and that's what the problem was here but yeah this is what I thought this is the you know sm- small piece of good news in a lot of bad news that I thought it was all right and then final the final article I took from uh, the free Press because, just, let's just fucking go rogue at the end of it, right? Again, when I say free press, I mean Barry Weiss's uh, website. It's FP.com. There are a couple free presses out there. This is the one that I'm always talking about, all right? Um, and this says, the American multimillionaire Marxists funding pro-Palestinian rage. And I just do want to point out, last time I read an article from Free Press, it was extremely pro-Palestine. So, I wanna so i'm I'm not you know, I'm going back and forth, really trying to be equal here. Uh, Neville Roy Singham and his wife Jody, at, did you text me?
1: Yeah, we was just letting you know we got ten minutes.
0: okay, well, that's well we're just finishing this article, yeah, got it. Okay, Um, uh, Neville Roy Singham and his wife Jody Evans are China propagandists and a primary source of the fury exploding on our streets. The pro-Palestinian protests over the last month were... Let me just make sure. Can I get through this article? Yeah, I can. Okay. The pro-Palestinian protests over the last month where tens of thousands in the U.S. have chanted for the end of Israel are not merely a story of organic rage. They are also funded in large part by an uber-wealthy American-born tech entrepreneur, Neville Roy Singham, and his wife, Jody Evans. Since 2017, Singham has been the main funder of the People's Forum, which has co-organized at least four protests after 1,400 innocent Israelis were slaughtered by Hamas on October 7th. One rally in Times Square happened on October 8th before Israel had even counted its dead. Based in midtown Manhattan, the People's Forum calls itself a movement incubator for working class, and marginalized communities to build unity across historic lines of division at home and abroad. But a review of public disclosure forums show that multimillionaire Singham and his wife Evans have donated over $20.4 million to the People's Forum from 2017 to 2022 through a series of shell organizations and donor advisory groups accounting for nearly all of the group's fundings. Singham's wealth stems from ThoughtWorks, a software consulting company that he launched in 1993 in Chicago and sold in August 2017 to private equity firm, Apex Partners for $785 million. That same year, the People's Forum was founded and set up on the ground floor of a multi-story building on 37th Street, just blocks from Times Square. Evans was also installed as one of its three board members. As of 2021, the organization employed 13 staff members and held more than $13.6 million in total assets. I decided that at my age and extreme privilege, the best thing I could do was to give away most of my money in my life times said singham now 69 in a statement after selling his company according to a new york times investigation in august but singham is more than just a marxist with deep pockets he is also a china sympathizer who lives in shanghai and has close ties to at least four propaganda news sites that boost the chinese communist party's image abroad the times reported these chinese media interests are helping sow discord in the U.S., Representative Mike Gallagher, the chairman of the House Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party, told the Free Press. The Chinese Communist Party uses tools like Confucius Institutes on college campuses, TikTok's addictive algorithm, and organizations like those that Mr. Singham funds to divide and weaken America, Gallagher said. Born to a Cuban mother and a Sri Lankan father in 1954, Singham grew up steeped in far-left politics. His father, Archibald Singham, worked as a professor of political science at Brooklyn College and was the first scholar in residence at the New York st- <clears throat> uh, State Martin Luther King Jr. Institute for Nonviolence in Albany. He also advised the UN on third world development and penned multiple books, including Non-Alignment in an Age of Alignments and Nam. Nam- independence a global responsibility after spending his early days in connecticut singham grew up partly in jamaica when he was 17 he joined the radical marxist group and labor union league of revolutionary black workers and the following year according to a 2021 blog post by singham like all disciplined uh, cadre, went to work in the factory the factory was a chrysler plant in detroit where he took a central role with the League, helping organize strikes and partaking in daily intense self-criticism sessions. In 1974, the FBI investigated Singham as potentially dangerous because of background emotional instabilities or activity in groups engaged in activities inimical to the U.S., according to its report, which he published on a blog. Two years later, Singham enrolled at Howard University, studying political science before joining the ranks of corporate America with his global startup. Within two decades, his company had employed over 4,500 people across 42 offices in 15 different countries. One magazine profile later referred to Singham as something like the righteous antithesis of Peter Thiel, the Trump-supporting co-founder of PayPal. Though he became fabulously wealthy, he never gave up his radical politics. In a 2008 profile in Fortune, Singham said that Venezuela under left-wing populist Hugo Chavez was a phenomenally democratic place and that China's economic economic policies should serve as a model for capitalist economies. China is teaching the West that the world is better off with a dual system of both free market adjustments and long-term planning, he said. In 2017, the same year he sold his company and kick-started the People's Forum, Singham married Jody Evans, a former Democratic political activist and presidential campaign manager for Jerry Brown, in a beachside ceremony in Runaway Bay, uh, Bay Jamaica. The couple called their Bob Marley-themed wedding One Love Union and advertised it in a logo incorporating the Jamaican flag and a power salute. Prominent leftist figures, including vagina monologues, writer Eve Ensler, who I believe just goes by like V now or something. And Ben Cohen of Ben and Jerry's ice cream attended the three day event, which included a radical chic festive dress code and a three hour panel discussion on the future of the left. Singham's wife, Evan 69 was a far left political leader herself before she wed him while married. to a multimillionaire data scientist in 2002. She co-founded the anti-war nonprofit Code Pink, whose members are known for wearing pink peace sign earrings and protesting the U.S. invasion of Iraq. Last month, a group... Uh, of Code Pink followers disrupted a Senate Appropriations Committee to chant for a ceasefire in Israel as they held up their red-painted hands, calling to mind a famous 2000 image of a Palestinian man who waved his blood-soaked hands to celebrate the lynching of two IDF reservists. Now living in Shanghai, Singham shares an office with the maku Group media company that aims to tell China's story well with uh, well through innovation. Singham was also a backer of pro-Chinese website NewsClick based in India, as well as the now defunct media company New Frame in South Africa, whose silence on China's human rights abuses led one editor to resign in 2022. Singham has also reportedly promoted Chinese website Dongsheng News to his friends, telling them it provides unique progressive coverage of China that has been sadly missing. A recent article on Dongsheng's website makes the case for why in Chinese cities there is an absence of large slums or pervasive homelessness that is so Common to most of the rest of the world and praises China for building a modern socialist society. Dongsheng News, according to the Times, shares an address with the People's Forum. In August, Marco Rubio sent a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland requesting the Department of Justice investigate whether Singham and his web of nonprofits complied with the Foreign Agents Registration Act, FARA. The CCP is our greatest adversary, and we cannot allow it to abuse our open system to promote its malign influence any longer, Rubio wrote. Singham's wife, Evans, was once critical of the Chinese government. In 2015, she stood in solidarity with Chinese feminists, writing on Twitter that the government must stop brutal repression of their women's human rights defenders. But after marrying Singham, she started to change her tune. She launched the hashtag China is not our enemy campaign through code pink in 2020 and now leads a series of webinars on code pink's youtube page where she praises china's beautiful history and its party state political structure the idea that it is an authoritarian authoritarian system that controls everything is like so crazy what a crazy notion that we've been sold she said four months ago in an hour-long virtual talk the people of china are not oppressed she added because i know what it's like to be with people who are oppressed Despite her despite her staunch support of the Muslim residents in Gaza, Evans justifies the oppression of Uyghur Muslims in China, where more than a million have been forcibly detained in re-education camps, leading to reports of beating and systemic rape. In her YouTube talk, Evans argued that China's treatment of Uyghurs was not as bad as the U.S. treatment of prisoners at Guantanamo Bay. At least China, she said, was not torturing and keeping people in jail for 16 years with no due process. Neither Singham nor Evans replied to multiple requests for, from the free press for comment on this piece. Singham previously denied having any ties to the CCP in an email to the Times. I categorically deny and repudiate any suggestion that I am a member of, work for, take orders for, or follow instructions of any political party or government or their representatives. He wrote, I am solely guided by my beliefs, which are my long-held personal views." At its multi-room head, uh, modern headquarters in Midtown, which anyone can visit, the People's Forum hosts classes like Lenin and the Path to Revolution, praising countries like China and Cuba that have smashed the shackles of Western imperialism, as well as seminars like Healthcare Under Siege and Apartheid, blaming Israel for discriminatory policies and genocide in Gaza. One of the regular lecturers at the forums includes Singham's friend, the Marxist intellectual Vijay Prashad, the treasurer of the People's Forum, Chris Caruso, once worked for Singham at ThoughtWorks as a research analyst. The People's Forum headquarters also boasts a socialist-themed coffee shop, The People's Cafe, where visitors can order a $4 chai tea latte, a $10 Southwestern salad, or an $11 Cuban panini stuffed with pulled pork ham. We know it's in the Cuban. It's bookshop. 1804 Books, named after the year Haiti overthrew its French rulers, is stocked with hundreds of titles celebrating communist heroes from Karl Marx to to Che Guevara. According to tax filings from 2018 to 2021, the forum spent over $12 million in leasehold improvements to their office space. Reviewing publicly available documents, the Free Press traced the money from Singham to the People's Forum via a fund run by Goldman Sachs, which operates a philanthropy arm that enables wealthy clients to give large donations to nonprofit causes. The fund, which operates separately from the bank, also serves to help donors conceal their identities. A spokesperson for Goldman Sachs said the fund offers clients a way to engage in charitable giving. The fund follows Internal Revenue Service guidelines for disclosing the organizations that receive charitable funds in a given year and also follows IRS guidelines for disclosing the names of donors of charitable funds, the spokesperson wrote in an email. Though Singham's name is nowhere to be found on the People's Forum's website or its TAC documents, tax documents the organization isn't shy about admitting they're taking in cash in 2021 to dispel allegations that the nonprofit took in dark money the forum posted on X that Singham is a Marxist comrade who sold his company and donated most of his wealth to nonprofits that focus on political education, cultural and internationalism. It seems to bother some folk that we receive funding that furthers our anti-imperialist politics the organization wrote the folks who make allegations against us are steeped in the worst kind of racism believing somehow That our funding robs us of our agency and self determination. The People's Forum sings from the same pro China hymn sheet as its chief funders. Last year, its executive director, Manolo de los Santos, appeared on a program on the YouTube channel of CGTN, a Chinese state owned media group, and said China's political and economic system puts people first compared to the American system, which prioritizes profits over people. De Los Santos did not respond to a free press uh, request for comment. For now, the people's forum is focusing on its pro Palestinian agenda, calling for more marches, walkouts, sit-ins and other forms of direct action directed at the political offices, businesses and workplaces that fund, invest and collaborate with Israeli genocide and occupation. The next protest core organized by co-organized by the forum called shut it down for Palestine is taking place November 17th and at least, uh, 18 locations across the world, including Copenhagen, New York City, Idaho, and Iowa. Meanwhile, Executive Director De Los Santos has made the organization's mission clear. He recently slammed this week's march for Israel in D.C., calling it a pro-genocide march while labeling its guest speakers racist and fake progressives. And in a separate post earlier this month, he praised the tens of thousands who attended the November 4th Free Palestine Rally in D.C., co-organized by the Forum. I'm proud of my fellow organizers and the movements that made this uh, moment possible. We came together to build this in a little over two weeks. We didn't bow down to demands to be respectable. We refused to be intimidated by the state, and we dared to build on the momentum of the struggle. There is no turning back now. All right, that's by Francesca Block. We'll talk about it more next week. We got to get... Off the air right now. Uh, But that is our show for today. Thank you so much for joining me for Without a Country. Again, send anything that you're inspired to send me to Without a Country podcast at gmail dot com i appreciate it so much chicago come out and see me i'm headlining zany chicago december 15th and 16th i also have a new year's eve show here in new york city corinne fisher's morbid new year's eve december 31st 6 p.m at new york comedy club east village it's gonna be a great show it's me it's christina hutchinson ryan long danny polish chuck uh, lev Fur, chloe labranch john Campanelli. Um, And uh, what else am I looking at? And uh, that's it. Follow us on Instagram, on YouTube, Without a Country podcast. I appreciate you so much. Be kind to each other. uh, And, you know, tell me why I should buy from a breeder. Bye. Peace.